welcome to Tech Vines. I'm your host, Melissa Gurney-Green, and we're here today to geek out on grapes and technology. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Scott DeLandy. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Colin. And Colin Gallagher. Hey, hey thanks for my introduction, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it happens, it happens. It's all in good fun, right? Well, well I mean, what's the protocol for that? I, I obviously have to respond to Melissa, but I also feel I have to acknowledge... Colin as well, otherwise I feel you're you're slighted because you are the fabulous Colin Gallagher, so I, I wish not to slight you. Aw, that's well, really thank sweet. you, thank you. So yes. <laughs> we are here with the fabulous Colin, and this week we are doing unique wine pairings in that we found a little meme with Girl Scout cookies and wine pairings, so we had to try it out. Um Bad news on my end, I couldn't get any Girl Scout cookies, so let's go with that first. Were you all able to acquire Girl Scout cookies? So I was uh, I was unsuccessful. I uh, I checked um, the local places that I could think of, so I went uh, to two different supermarkets, and I looked on Amazon, and Amazon it was going to cost $43 for a uh, the box of cookies that I wanted to get it here in the time I needed to get it. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to go with $43 for that cookie. So I, I improvised. Okay, very nice. Very nice. And Colin has his cookies. I, saw I have a cookies. I had cookies in the house, but I also look, you could get cookies delivered from Girl Scouts cookies.com or whatever it is and they would yeah they, they could have got if you'd ordered it last thursday scott you well that's it. well that's I the thing i did it's, order it before last thursday and i didn't get it still oh okay yeah. <laughs> so, but right. we did have some pretty nasty weather so okay yeah sure yeah yeah actually given the weather it might yeah the things have been we've had really bad weather we've had two snowstorms that have closed things down etc so yeah i can get to that yeah yeah but um good time so colin because Scott hates it, and because I introduced Scott first, I would like you to go first and tell us about your cookie and your wine. So I I had some in the house, and I went with, I sort of went and I sort of did a combination of what do I have in the house for wine, what do I have for cookies, and what do I like as a combination, which, you know, and so I went for Thin Mints because I was craving some mint this week and I haven't had any. Um, and I went with a Cabernet Sauvignon per the meme. Um, they suggested nice. Australian Cabernet Sauvignon, but I decided to color color it a little bit, and I went with a lovely duck horn because um, I wanted to like really like go classy and low class at the same time. I thought the contrast of duck horn, you know, little bougie bougie cab with some some Girl Scout cookies would be a nice uh, nice combination. So Excellent. How is the combination? Um, have you have you? I haven't tasted mine yet. I was gonna um, wait. So did you already try yours? Well, yeah, you're. you're okay, I did. I tried it right before. Sorry, I'm talking with food okay. in my mouth. That's um, all right. The combination works. The combination works. I was. I would normally. I would have expected, you know, a sweeter wine to go with something, but these cookies aren't that super sweet. The chocolate's a little bit, you know, and the mint is overpowering. So it's a really nice flavor. And the mint is a nice punch. It's almost like acid following the dry, the dry cap. And I really, I'm, I'm a fan. Nice. It, it balances well. I, I, um, I think that goes that goes pretty well according to me. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. All right, Scott. What did you go with? So I I was unsuccessful in my search for uh, Girl Scout cookies. So um, I figured I I could meet the spirit of the intent through a through a technicality. So um, my girls are are former members of the uh, the Girl Scouts. So I was in the whole selling cookie business for a while. Um, but I told them my predicament and they said, well, it's probably easier if we just make the cookies. So they actually made, uh, oatmeal cookies. 
and said, just get the oatmeal cookies, put peanut butter in between the oatmeal cookie, and that basically becomes a dosy dough, which was what I wanted to go with for two reasons. Number one, it's one of the cookies that I like the most is the uh, the dosy dough, um, and it was a Melbeck, and it's like who wouldn't want to drink a Melbeck with your uh, your dosy dough? So I have not tried it yet. So I have uh, two. Uh, I have a, a single cookie cut in half, and I've got peanut butter, um, and it was uh, Jeff peanut butter jiffy peanut butter by the way not skippy jeff not skippy um layered in between but i haven't tried it yet, so i'm gonna i'm gonna try it now taking a bite this is a solid cookie by the way i had it in the refrigerator all day so the peanut butter is a little hard too and all the wine okay that is pretty fabulous that is pretty fabulous I would say definitely, right? Um, you know, the, the Melbeck is great. And I and I had a glass of the Melbeck before we got started tonight. Oh, really? And it, well, <laughs> just a glass? Just, just, oh, just one glass. Just glass. I mean, oh. I was productive today, so just one glass. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I was like, you know what? I sh I, why do I always forget to try the Melbeck? Because the Melbeck is, is definitely an excellent wine. It's like somewhere between... You know, um, you've got kind of the it's not as heavy as sort of the cab. Right. So it's a little bit lighter than than what you would see with the cab. And then from last week to the uh, to the Chianti, I think it's a little less sweet than the uh, the Chianti. So it's kind of like right in the uh, in the middle. And um, the thing that, you know, when I looked at all the different options for the, the Melbach, it's really it's interesting because, you know, when you go with a with a cab or something or a Merlot or something like that, you know, there are price points that are all over the place, right? There's kind of the, the, the low-end stuff, and then there's the stuff that's kind of higher of the low-end, and then you have kind of like this middle tier, and then you have, you know, kind of the, the high-end, the duck horn, right? The $100 uh, duck horn um, that Colin has wisely selected for this evening. Um, Melbeck, I notice, is a little bit different where, you know, the price ranges in the kind of the lower end are, are you know, for they start at like, you know, eleven dollars and they go up to like twenty four dollars and that's you know basically eighty ninety percent of what you have in terms of the different options from a Melbeck. and then there's like three or four bottles that are in the you know thirty five forty five maybe fifty dollar range but it's not like a like a cab where you have you know again it's if you want to get something no, that's considered high end you 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 can get some like the container altas are north of fifty i think yeah um, that's not that that's the ultimate that's kind of like yeah. the you know the rolls royce if you would as far as mm -hmm. at least from yeah. my perspective as far as the but other you can get but this I country did, yeah, yeah 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 but i did i did the katana uh and that's a that's a solid one i had yeah, that but, many many times but there's and the katana a, and then there's the katana alta which is their their premium brand so yeah no i didn't go label. with i didn't go with that it was so, just again it was yeah. it was it was a 20 dollar yeah. uh bottle yeah. of wine yeah. um but what i learned is that when you look at the different price ranges between the the, the different wines one of the do you know what one of the biggest thing is that take that makes a nine dollar bottle of wine a 40 50 dollar bottle of wine marketing nope the label nope what? aging of course so, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. so the low so the differences on the lower end kind of price points they're typically only aged you know maybe four yeah. to six months and then when you get to like you know something that's a little bit higher end it's usually about a year but then as we learned from the last podcast you have your reserves and your reserves are um um 
in the uh, uh, wine barrel are barreled for um, anywhere from 18 to 24 months, so up to two years. And that's what affects the price point. It also, you know, changes the flavor, right? It goes from, um, you know, less of an oaky flavor and more of a kind of a fruity flavor the longer that it uh, that it ages. So um, a little bit of trying to drop a little bit of knowledge as far as the wine is concerned. And again, great pairing with the cookie. I'll be quiet because I'm going to have a bite of cookie. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm so far, I'm impressed. I just had a second one. I, I muted myself because I was chewing loudly in my microphone at that. Um, and I had to chomp the cookie. But no, I'm, 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 I'm enjoying this. Like, this is, I'm impressed. This, this is a lot of fun, I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. I, went, I went with the Rioja. Mm. And um, the Samoas, even though I don't have the Samosas. So I'm, I'm um, substituting an Austrian chocolate cookie thing. Um, Draghi Kekski. Yeah. Is, is what we'll call that. Uh, yeah. I probably butchered it, but um, mm -hmm. but yes, this and the Rioja I'm drinking is a Castillo Clavijo, um, and it is lovely. So it's super oaky and wonderful, and it mm -hmm. goes with the like super sweetness of the cookie and what I would expect the super yeah. sweetness of the um, Samoa to um, mm -hmm. to kind of balance it out. It's really nice. Cool. Now is that a is that is that a milk chocolate or a dark chocolate? Um, I, I went with the dark her, because the Samoas the have of a bite. the dark. So mm -hmm. so the Samoas have like a dark chocolate layer and then cookie, yeah. and mm -hmm. that's what the, these have yeah. too. And then what it's missing is kind of the caramel um, mm -hmm. and coconut on top. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't talk about the duckhorn. We talked about duckhorn before, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I like duckhorn. I have duckhorn in the house. I think duckhorn is a great go-to. But as I'm tasting this, and even with the even without the cookie, you know, duckhorn is predictable. It's there. It's not like you know, there's nothing super special about it. It's just easy and good. Right. You know, and so so I, I wish I was just letting you talk about your wine list, and I'm jealous. Like I wish there was a little bit of oomph to this, and I'd pick something, you know, a cab that had a bit more you know, punch or bite to it, but this is, you know, it's, it's a great cab and, you know, you know, and for the money, it's, you're going to get what you're going to get, but it's sort of just, you know, I wish there was a little bit more, you know, uh, pizzazz to it somehow. Yeah. This one's definitely a, an adventure. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. sweeter than I normally go for, but it's smoky and, and just wonderful. Mm -hmm. So, nice. so I'm really pleased cool. with my choice for sure. I wanted, I wanted more of an adventure this time. I'm like, yeah. Let's do something I haven't done before. I've never done a Rio Rioja. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. So, and this one is ninety-five percent hmm. Tempranillo and five percent Graciano. Uh -huh. So, um, how it, you? We've never done a Rioja in Barcelona. Not that I recall. Okay. Now, that's not to say that we haven't done one. Uh -huh. That just means I haven't been paying attention. So. <laughs> which is entirely possible too that I just missed it. But um but I've never gone out and bought a Rioja and had it at home for sure. Yeah, what's the price point on that, Melissa? Uh it's about 15. Okay. Nice. How about yours? Mine was think... 20 bucks. And what was it? It was uh the Katana Melbeck. And, and by the way, I'm a huge fan. If anyone knows, I'm a huge fan of the Katana Malbec. I think I, you know, I was talking about the Katana Alta, but um, mm -hmm. the Katana, um, the, the, the all the Katanas are good. I mean, the Alta is their premium brand, which is north of fifty, which is nice. It's hard to get actually, but the regular Katana, if you're looking for a Katana, 
from Allback 13 is a great, great brand to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Better than this. There's an Alamos or something, and I'm, um, which is sort of you see a lot as well. Katana over Alamos. Well, it, pa- it also pairs well generally with spicy food, and I think that's the reason why you chose it because the first time I had it is when we went to that the tapas restaurant in Jamaica Plain. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't Jamaica Plain. Where was it? You remember. Uh, West Rexburg. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so yes. Yeah, so that was the first time I had this one, and it's always been a, uh, a fan favorite since yeah. then. So. so is it time for the tech, Melissa? I think it should be. Um, this week we are covering event tech. So um, talking about events and technology, partly because I'm feeling nostalgic, I am currently in the middle of running a 48-hour-long virtual conference. So um, as soon as I am done with this, I will be back to producing the conference. I got out of my MC duties tonight. I did MC duties last night. So um, tonight I'm just going to do producer work and be in somebody else's ear. Since um, last last night the team had a lot of fun with me, prompting... um, prompting the talks and and got a laugh or two so um so this week i'm gonna or tonight i'm gonna get them back i should say so so, so actually for for the folks who don't know and actually for me because i haven't done a virtual um uh, conference yet um how does it work and what do you what's your role and what is you know what does somebody in your ear do what is it okay so we've done these for three years now so so this is something that shouldn't be new to us but we make it new to us every year And what I mean by that is this started off as like a completely like online community event. And the challenge was to have like 24 hours of follow the sun talks from the community um, to get going. And um, the first year we, we were pretty much there and we ran it all through Zoom webinar and streamed it to YouTube. And for that, literally one person pretty much ran the whole thing. I um, begged her not to, but she wouldn't give it up. <laughs> you know how that goes. Um, it was it was her her baby, so so she took the whole thing from from start to finish, and was emceeing and and doing the kind of production work in the background where you're looking at the next speaker, you're making sure you've got prompting slides and all that stuff, and the speaker's ready to go, and you're introducing them and thanking the last speaker and all that stuff, right? Um, this time around, we broke it up a little more in that we wanted a little higher quality in the production. So for that, we're still using Zoom webinar and there are pluses and minuses to that, but we're streaming at 1080p and um, and with the amount of talks we have and the timing of the talks versus next talk and all that stuff, it was important to have the MC just be able to focus on getting people um, welcomed and thanked um, respectively um, as, as they come and go, right? And, and focusing on keeping the people engaged. Um, because we have so much engagement, production looks like making sure that the right speakers are in the Zoom, they're promoted to, um, promoted to a um, per- panelist level, excuse me, and then, um, and that they're comfortable and they've got their slides and they're ready to go. It also means things like when we have gaps in coverage because talks run short, um, that we're pulling in content or, or stuff to keep people entertained, whether that's the MC talking for a minute and, and giving the MC some prompts on things to talk about. Um, we also do chat moderation on the YouTube stream. 
which is super important and and facilitate those questions back to the MC. And um, we have little little clips to play here and there in case we have, and this year there have been many um, <laughs> live issues because with a live virtual conference and speakers coming in and out, especially when half of the United States is dealing with some kind of snowstorm and situation where power might go out or internet might go out or all of the things happening. Um, we actually had a few speakers also drop because of COVID, but this year it's a 48 hour ordeal where we're going 48 straight hours of content by the half hour, no breaks and um, rolling through it. So, so for that, we've, <laughs> We've we've broken out the roles and and gone to uh, shift based design to where the person who initially kind of ran with this and this was her baby is now um, participating at a much more sane level, which looks like a a six to eight hour workday. <laughs> so who's the audience for this? Is this a is this a technical audience? Is this a... yes? Okay. Yeah, so it's, that, it's entirely technical. It's people who have interest in cloud or automation right. or um, kind of hybrid approaches to technology and all that involves. <laughs> so, um, yeah, networking is part of it. Security is part of it. We, we kind of reach like the IT crowd or, or the developer crowd or even though I hate to say it, the DevOps crowd, right? with this so so it's it's about it operations and development and applications so even with a with a even with a technical audience do you do you gear any of the content towards kind of the sort of the entertaining side of things or is I'm it so all just basically we did yes. not i that was not a planted question for the record i'm just i'm just curious because well, um because that's one of the things about conferences is that over the years, the physical ones have become really less about, at least the main events, have been kind of less about the, the hardcore technical piece and more about the strategy, the vision, but being able to kind of deliver that in, in more, of a, more of an entertaining way in order to be able to engage the audiences and make, the, make them um, memorable, right? So, yes, we are balling on a budget. And this is a community-oriented conference, or um, to use an older terminology, a user conference. So these are people who use our tools in whatever way they do and are sharing their stories. There are some very interesting and exciting content that gets created as part of that. Like people do fun and wacky things with our tools. There was a great example yesterday of um, a lady who was using Terraform to create um, an epic Twitter pets kind of stream. So to make sure that her Twitter through the holidays was filled with all of the awesome holiday pet pictures of cats and dogs in trees and doing crazy things around the holidays and all that stuff. So, so there, there's entertainment that way. But um, from my team's perspective, when my par team participates in the event, we focus on making it as entertaining and fun as possible. And when we look at community submissions, we we make sure that there are some entertaining community submissions in there, whether it's, you know, terraforming your Minecraft server and, and stuff like that. Um, we've got kind of an offshoot of, of our own called HashiCraft, where um, we're producing a show 
um, that lives in Minecraft and the characters that are dealing with these problems are Minecraft character characters, but the demos and everything are real technical demos. So you combine um, watching kind of a Minecraft video of somebody playing Minecraft with them solving this real world problem with the terminal and the and the code in front of you, right? So so we find ways to make it entertaining as much as possible and kind of show the kind of content that we hope catches on because when you come to these kind of digital conferences and now everybody's running them because that's all we have, um, it's, it's one of those things where having some entertainment sprinkled in there is something that's, that's high value because it, it keeps people engaged, it makes people laugh, it, it brings them back, right? All of the content is is valuable and important because it's somebody in the community sharing their experience. But having those entertaining moments is important. Now, this isn't on the level of a of a digital conference that used to be physical. Um, for that, we have another team that runs a digital conference that that has converted the physical conference experience as much as possible into a virtual one. And for those, you know, it's it's much more um, much more investment in entertainment, much more investment in um, kind of that polished look and feel. This this is still kind of uh, homely. My, my my version of this conference is is still kind of homely, right? It's still people just sharing their stories. So um, so we do make that distinction. We do not pitch vision at all for for the forty eight hour event. It's an entirely separate brand. So so we kind of keep that going. We want something that's for the users by the users for the most part. And we just provide the platform for them. Mm -hmm. That was a lot cool. of me talking. So yeah, but so do you do, but, but do you so for the this the, you know, this forty eight hour conference, I'm assuming no one sits through forty eight hours. Unless you're um, doing massive, massive, just, just, just Melissa. <laughs> there, there are people that hang on the stream for an inordinate amount of time. The goal isn't to necessarily have somebody telethon style stay up for the entire 24 or now 48 hours. Mm -hmm. The goal is, is to engage people as, as they come and go, right? Knowing that people are going to join, they're going to catch the talks they're interested in, or they're going to catch, um, the parts of the talks that happen during their workday or during their available time and they're going to drop off. And that's kind of what we see as we go through this with trend lines and stuff is like the places where we have the largest amount of community during those working hours are when we have the biggest spikes in viewership. And then as things go over to past 5 p.m. Pacific time and into, you know, the early hours for for the European time zone, that Asia Pack kind of sweet spot. Um, we have viewership drop off, but what's great about that time is the most engaging kind of chatter kind of happens with that crowd. So so we have a lot of people in Asia Pack, even though the numbers aren't aren't as high. There are a lot of people there that are excited and and happy to participate and engage with the speakers and stuff, which is really cool. There's a there's a there's a huge side benefit to to any time you do a conference, right? Whether it's physical, virtual, whatever, right? It's the it's the creation of a piece of content, right? 
because that's something, you know, it may be delivered live, it may be recorded and then presented as live, or it may just be available kind of on demand, right? So it gives um, the, the consumer, you know, lots of options to be able to get to that piece of content. But as I think all three of us would agree, the, the forcing function of having to complete that content, right? Because even if you, you start, you know, months ahead and start, you know, defining, you know, what the content is going to be and start pulling things together and then you just refine and then you get feedback and everybody weighs in and then you make changes. And it, <laughs> it always it always is a, it, it, you know, it's, it's the, I think, was it Colin? No, somebody else had asked me as working on something and they said, hey, name the file final and send it over. And I had to explain. <laughs> no. Yes. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think you know how this works. Nothing it, it is gets... final. Every, everything has a version number, and even for things that were yeah. considered final, you know, three or four final, years final, ago. final, underscore right, 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 right. final. Yes. Right. You, you, all, you get like six finals revised. It's a. It's a. It's definitely a a, a mem, right? In terms of of naming things, final. Meme, but but just meme. Please don't meme. say mem. Never, I always go. Never All right. say mem again. Oh, no, mem. No, oh no, that's so uncool. Scott. Oh my god. Hey. So I know it's. I know it's. I know it's. I know it's mean, but I. I always just say mem just to be. You know whatever. All right. All right. Uh, okay. All right. All right. No more meme talk. Um, like the the great the greater point that I was trying to make is that it's the it's the it's the eventual having a you know a a goal line to cross to be able to finish off a piece of content and, and then you know while never naming it final emotionally feeling that it's final and uh and being able to move on and that's always you know a, a great thing because it doesn't matter you could be done you know a day before the conference a week before the conference a month before the conference doesn't matter you're not done until that presentation is actually delivered right so it's just a matter of, in some cases, running down the clock in order to get it over the uh, the goal line. Yeah, yeah. And I lived that, especially at Dell EMC, but um, also with our own events with that um, physical turn virtual conference I talked about. And there's a lot of that in there. What's great about community conferences and user conferences in general is you don't have to worry about any of that. You just kind of go, ah. Based on the abstract, this looks good. Can't wait. <laughs> and you just kind of let whatever, whatever's going to happen, happen. And sometimes it's magical and wonderful. And sometimes it's like, oh, that could have really been better. But then you prioritize the after processing of the content yes. for the people that were amazing. Right? <laughs> so, some, sometimes you have to let the train wreck happen in order to be able to go in and do kind of the postmortem to say, okay, this is what happened. This is what. Uh, this is what worked. This is what we might want to think about in terms of a, a different approach, right? Well, we told even, you even with the bad uh, content, it's still good. It's still their experience. I, I, I'm going to give you the I, I'm going to give you the classic example <laughs> we've all been through. Hey, you're going to give a presentation. You have ten minutes, twelve minutes, fifteen minutes, right? You don't have an hour. You don't have two hours. You have you know to call it 10, fifteen minutes, right? We all know that doing a fifteen minute presentation is 10 times harder than doing a one-hour presentation, right? Especially if you build the content and you present a lot because you have all this great stuff that you want to put out there, and then the, the, to be forced to have to cut it down to 10 or 15 minutes, it's hard. And when you have people that haven't, 
done that. They're used to giving the hour long presentation. You tell them, okay, you only have, you know, 10 minutes and they say, okay, that's fine. I'm going to take my 36 slide deck that I roll and I'm going to cut it down to 15. And it's like, no, you don't understand. You get like four, four slides because you're going to kill four minutes per slide, right? That's you 16 get like minutes. You four slides and it's going to be really, uh, in uh, reality, uh, like two. Uh, and that is like what's going to pick it apart. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that is, well, uh, it's, it's, no, it's when they deliver it live because they figure, okay, you know, I've got 15 minutes. I've got 15 slides. I'm in a slide. I'm good to go. And it never works that way because no one is ever going to spend, unless you've done it before and you know how to quickly rip through it. But if you haven't done that and you just think it's a matter of just cutting slides, it turns into a train wreck because they're out of time and they're only, you know, a quarter of the way into the content. But you got to give them the hook because, okay, the next person is getting up and presenting or whatever it is. We can't give you the hour that you said you didn't, you weren't going to use, but now you apparently think you have. You don't get that, right? So that's that's kind of a classic observation that I've seen over the years is that the shorter presentations, especially for people that do presentations, are harder than doing the long ones. Sometimes, yes, absolutely. And you just gotta get in there and do it um i don't hear you colin colin's eating a cookie he forgot that he got muted I... sorry yes Maybe. i was eating a cookie yes i was, I was, thank you thank you thank you um how, how many cookies have you had so far uh, half, the sleeve. <laughs> half, half the sleeve half so so are you gonna are you gonna finish that whole sleeve or are you gonna it's or, gonna get or... stale so might as well yeah yes. all right and then and then you have the other sleeve yeah, the other not <laughs> touching this one i'll finish that um okay so, um, I was going to say, um, what were we talking about? <laughs> content length. Oh, content length. No, so, so it's, inc it's, inc it's incredibly hard. And, you know, I, I was having a conversation to just today. I'm having a lot, a lot of bad conversations today. Um, I'm going to slap people in the mood today. Um, and someone we both know, Scott, who used to work for me, um, and then... Um, um, Came and thinks, oh, we're going to do this. Like, this is a 20-minute session. You can't do all that. So I want to shut down. No. Let's say, and, and you have to think about like a TED Talk. TED Talks are how long, folks? 17 minutes. minutes. 17, 17. Yeah. My bad. It's like, so it's, you, think, you think about like a TED Talk. It's got to be quick. It's got to be the point. It's got to be engaging. And, you know, if you come in there and you say, I'm going to cover, literally, this person said, I'm going to cover the history of data center then and t today. I was like, <laughs> in 20 minutes first of all gary couldn't introduce himself in 20 minutes but um <laughs> i would i would i would i would love to fact check that just for the oh that would be uh and, and it's not the individual it's just anybody that tries to you know pull that into 20 minutes i'd like to to see where the um well actually it'd be interesting to see what the high points are mm -hmm. so so the the thought that i had Right. Was that I know like, you know, virtual uh, events and conferences and things like that. Those are basically kind of the, you know, the world that we, we live in today and, and will for, you know, some period of time. But eventually, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe not six months from now, maybe not 12 months from now, but 18, 24 months from now. Right. Things are going to start to get back to what I would say is the new normal. Right. And I still I still think that there is going to be demand for physical events. Now, the physical events, I think, will kind of be 
maybe a hybrid type of an event where there'll be an experience, and it has to be a different experience for people that attend physically because you need to get the people to attend physically. But there, there is a way to take the content and, and just the kind of the, the, again, the forcing function of that event to be able to pull in a, uh, a virtual audience as, as well. And, and you know, where, where, I, where I worked at Dell, we were pretty successful in doing that because we had conferences that we would do and we would have, you know, a physical audience of some tens of thousands or whatever it was. But then we would pull in a virtual audience and maybe not on the first week, but if you went over maybe three or four weeks where the audience would be 10 times greater than that. And we quickly yeah. became came to the realization that it's not that we're not building content for the people that come and in, in, in physically attend, because obviously that's that's why people are coming. So you have to gear it to that. But you also have to think about kind of the steady state of what gets developed, because some of that gets posted and it becomes on demand and it becomes an asset that's actually going to get more visibility and more views than the actual live event did. So you have to, again, it's not you say, well, we're going to pretend everything is vert. We're going to pretend content, all the stuff is going to be posted, and, and you don't take into account trying to engage the actual physical audience because there are ways to do that, right? There's the entertainment piece. There's doing the cool demos, having you know guest speakers come up, like really cool, recognizable people, and you, and you still need to do that, but at the same time, you know, it, it becomes, okay, how do we take that and, and not compromise what we're doing for the, the physical side, but how do we expand that so that we can also address and attract even even more engagement or, or more efficient engagement um, on, the, uh, on the social side? Forgive me, Scott. I think you're missing a key value prop here. En so enlight <laughs> enlighten me, please. Enlighten so me. Here's the thing that nobody has solved with digital conferences, and it's super important. The reason to go to the physical conferences, the fundamental reason for the user is to have those hallway conversations to get engaged, to understand what's really going on here. And you can't the networking, have those the networking, the peer-to-peer, the networking, all that stuff is amazing. And that's it, the only reason to go to a physical conference anymore. You can get I, the content yep. and the entertainment anywhere. Right. Yeah, it sucks because it's on your home time zone and mostly you're stuck in your house right now. So you have to yep. deal with like... Yeah. competing priorities and distractions and all that but like the reason we need to get back to physical conferences are those connections it's that yeah. network and that shared experience because nobody does a good job of that virtually not even us and i hate it but there's it's really hard to do it's really hard to I, do and nobody's picking I, don't it think, out. I don't i don't think the technology is there for that yet i mean it's not you know you can do it in small groups like this but once you start to get larger it's hard and it's hard to you know randomly meet strangers or old acquaintances you know virtually it's yeah and so you go on this conversation like you would live because you you can tell who's listening live right yeah <laughs> Oh yeah exactly there so that it, it that's a great point is that there are things that can be shared with a physical audience especially a a more targeted smaller intimate audience that are things that you're just not going to put out on on YouTube right so um you know lots of examples um of that but but you're you're um you're kind of going down w what I had in the outline here because you know what you just described kind of that 
that one-on-one interaction and the hallway conversations and all that. I call that the free socks, right? And and what I mean by the free socks is one of the one of the go-to you know swag items at a conference is you give everybody you know branded socks, and and it's a great it's a great physical conference giveaway because when you go to a conference, the one thing you never bring enough of is clean socks. And if somebody gives you a free pair of clean socks, especially if they're cool ones, there's a good chance that you're going to wear them. But but what that means is that you're out and you're talking to people and you know you're getting information and you're having you know going into you know a particular booth and and talking to knowledgeable folks that are working in that booth and getting your answers, uh, your questions answered, and if not getting them all uh, answered, at least getting the right contacts so that people can follow up and get those those questions uh, answered. So I agree with that. But the the thing that I think is going to happen is that I think you're going to see less and less of the big events and more of the more regional local events and what i mean by that is you know the big ones like you know the the ces the consumer electronics show where they're pulling in you know 50,000 people some of the the more you know larger industry not vendor but industry related conferences hims is a good example you're still going to get a, a good audience for that but i think what's going to happen for a lot of the events that are mainly, you know, sponsorship provided by, you know, a particular vendor or a group of vendors, those are going to become, I think, smaller and more regionalized because, you know, not everybody's going to be able to travel to Vegas or to San Francisco or to Barcelona or whatever it is. But, hey, if I, you know, if I have to drive into the city for 45 minutes and there's going to be a conference there and I can spend, you know, a half day to do that but still be home and if something happens and, and I for something if something happens and I have to cancel, I'm not going to have to worry about an airfare that I'm going to have to eat. I'm not going to have to worry about a room that I reserve that I have to pay a deposit on. And it, what it does is it, it shifts kind of the 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 responsibility, the fiscal responsibility of supporting those on on the actual, you know, um, uh, people that are running the event or the convention or whatever it is, and it becomes less of a responsibility or burden on the people that attend the event. So it, it, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, that'll be a sad day because because I have a feeling the number of women that attend these things, not that there are many today, will will drop to nothing when when it comes to these in-city events. Like... I, I, it is much easier for me as a female and as a mother to attend an event that isn't in my city than it is to be attending an event that's in Is that my because city. You, you have an expectation of providing childcare and it's still being the same, but if you're out of town, it's, it's a whole different Yeah, if break. I'm out of town, childcare is handled. If I'm in town, I've got to be back at that childcare facility at a specific time. I've got to handle whatever is going on with the school. Like <laughs> when I'm out of town, I'm off the hook, right? When I'm in town, there's no being off the hook. Even, even if you're at a conference, there's, there's none of that for me. So, so like dealing with like traffic day of and all that stuff and not being able to expense my hotel and, and whatnot to be there for the full day and getting up at four and then trying to sneak out of there to miss rush hour to get the kids in time. Like, that stuff doesn't work for me. That doesn't appeal to me at all. So I'm hoping that there's still some kind of 
some kind of event that is bigger that I can network with mm. people kind of outside my city that happens. I do agree that they'll be smaller, but to see them go regional means I'm not going to be at any of them, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, it's a yeah, good point. I, I mean, again, I, I think, you know, I, I sort of agree with Scott. I think it's going to be bimodal. I think you're going to have you know, some, yeah, some it, larger cross industry events yes. that exist. The ones that were sort of in the middle, smaller, to be honest, I think, you know, you know, EMC world as it used to exist, Scott, probably might not in the future, right? You know, if, right. you know the the larger Dell tech world may still, but I think you know those types of shows they were ten thousand people focused around a particular vendor. They're sort of in, in jeopardy and danger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll yeah, give I'll give you so so I'll give you a great example, right? Just because I was just there and I had to explain to my my my, my parents. So so Gillette Stadium here in New England, right? So that's where you know the Patriots you know used to play really good football. Now they just play football there. It's a different podcast but um but it's a it's a stadium that seats 60,000 people but within the stadium there is an area that's set up to basically um host conventions not you know 50,000 people conventions but you can fit a couple of thousand easily into the area there and there's there's enough seating and space where if you have a a kino and you can actually have depending on what it is you could have maybe one of the patriots get up and and pull people so i guess what i'm saying is that having it at a location like that is a draw because you think about that that stadium which is very new very modern you know when they play football they have well, we used to have, you know, 10 games there a year, but now we only have eight, right? <laughs> um, so we don't have as many games. But then you have 300 in whatever, you know, um, 58 days a year that, okay, what do you do with this amazing facility? So they've always done a good job of being able to get, um, to, to use it, you know, to have user events and conferences. And I've been there for, you know, the, the big ones that are a couple of thousand. I've been there for the ones that, you know, the V-Mugs, right, where we went in and there was mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know, 60 people that would come to that. But it was cool because they would give you one of the boxes and you would have, you know, a catered lunch just like you would if you were at a game. And it was a great experience for a lot of people. And it got them to basically say, hey, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to go. And while I'm there, I'm going to go get, you know, I'm going to go to the, the sports shop and I'm going to get a, you know, a, a TB12 jersey. You could still get mm-hmm. those. Unfortunately, they're not blue anymore. They're orange. But mm-hmm. um, that's another <laughs> the, the TB, uh, Tom Brady doesn't play for the Patriots anymore. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, right. So anyway. Did, did he but, keep but, his number when he went? Are you serious? Yes, he did. <laughs> I'm gay and I'm a geek, Scott. Okay, I'm not supposed uh, to know this. Okay. Yeah, but you're you lucky, should know that's. You're that's, lucky. I don't. I know that he plays uh, football, not hockey. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm... All right. All right. Understood. You guys. All right. I I get it. But but my 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 point being is that again the regional ones, if you have it at a at a cool location that has kind of this you know sort of a, oh geez I'm gonna go you know to Gillette or I'm gonna go to you know, maybe one of the, you know, uh, one of the nice hotels in the area or something that's kind of upscale and different, especially after everybody's been locked up for, you know, at least 12 months, probably closer to 18 months. I think that there's going to be a, a little bit of a blip where people are gonna say, yeah, I'm getting out of the house. I'm going to go. I'm going to hang out with people that I've been haven't seen in a long time. And we're going to go. And we're going to learn about this. And I, I think that there's going to be kind of that that piece of it. The other thing that I have, where were we on time? So, I, and this is the last note that I have, so I'll, I'll keep rambling here. Is I think uh, all events, one of the things that's going to change. So, you know, the the the, the struggle with events, and you guys 
both know this very well, is you're always trying to figure out, well, how can I lower my costs and how can I, you know, increase engagement and get better data and analysis from from what happens with with what happens when when an attendee shows up and what do they do and how is that engagement? How do I how do I measure that? Right. So it's lowering costs and finding a way to basically do a better way of measuring you know, what happens um, during those events. And I think we're at the point where, you know, facial recognition is basically going to become the technology, right? So now when you walk into that event, there's a camera that's set up, right? You don't need to go to a talk to a human being. You don't have to show them a badge. You don't have to do anything because you've already pre-registered, right? They have a picture of what you look like. It may not be what you wore that day, but it's smart enough to know that you are there, and as you walk in, it's, you go to a screen. It says, "Okay, you're, you know, Colin Gallagher, or you're Melissa Gurney Green," and it will go ahead and process the whole registration without having to have all of those people standing around in order to do it. The other thing that happens is that I think with once you're there, then facial recognition tracks you because we've all had the dreaded booth duty, right? And we've all been um, marshaled with the responsibility to scan attendee badges oh God, no. as no. they come through. And the, the margin of error for either scanning a badge of somebody that's actually someone you want to follow up with because you actually have a conversation with them versus somebody who just gets their badge scanned because there's a great giveaway. The pair of socks or whatever it is, right? Yeah, so, socks so, for this decade, t-shirts for the last decade, yeah. So now, now you have facial recognition happening. So when somebody comes in, we can see, okay, here's a person. And, you know, this person spent 30 seconds at the booth and grabbed a, whatever the giveaway was and, and walked away. Okay, that's probably somebody that we want to know who they are, but, you know, there's, there doesn't seem to be a lot of interest, right? Versus the one where here's somebody that shows up and they spend 15 minutes in your booth, right? And we know when they got there. We know who they talked to, yep. who that yep. person was responsible yep. for, and when, and when they left. And now we don't have to have a human being, a contractor, sitting there and kind of scanning that and having to manually enter in, especially on the busy ones where you have them one after the other, one after the other, and you kind of forget, well, I forgot to scan them. I don't remember what we were talking about. I should... Now all of that stuff becomes fully automated. So it, it solves the two challenges. Number one, it reduces your costs because now you have to have less physical people. I don't know what you guys are doing, but you're laughing at me staffing the event but you also improve the um the data the analytics behind that because you've eliminated kind of the the human intervention oh, all right Scott, why why am i Scott, being mocked well, well, why am all, i being mocked colin hasn't had a chance to talk at all so colin's you know, doing hey, hey, he's colin, colin's some doing some of it's on me speak. because i've been enjoying these girl scout cookies because i haven't <laughs> had anything sweet in like two weeks so i'm just oh. like gorging on these i've um um, I've been, you know, I've been, I've been trying to watch what I eat. And I, I have an addiction issue with sugar. So, <laughs> so by the way, they're all gone. The sleeve is gone. So I'm done with that. Now I'm just going to stick back to my wine. Um, Yay. <laughs> no, actually, but I, I, I'm, I'm along with you, but I think what, what I was going to talk about was, I think this, I'm going to go broader than just the show floor. I think the fact that, you, you know, the fact that the technology exists today where you can get a full digital trail of what someone did. They went to these sessions, they went to these things, and you can do it without scanning with, with much more passive capabilities is huge because then you can go and say, hey, this person's interested in this, there's interested in this, or they went to there, they left early, so don't talk to them about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, and 
Um, and, and and I think that's really interesting from, from a marketer or from you know someone who just like, cares about your customers and is passionate. That's really interesting. The fact that you can do all of that um, uh, is really interesting to me. That you know you you don't only have to figure out based on because I think boot scans are absolutely useless. Like you know, I remember when um, so, someone who who used to work with me, for me, whatever. She was all about getting boost scans. And she basically had hired people to run around scanning people. I was like, it's absolutely freaking useless. Like, you, you get me this information, and what do I do? I send them an email, and they don't respond to it. You've wasted my time and effort, and everybody else is trying to get these boost scans. A number of scans, right? But, you know, hey, time in booth, you know, or time in session, that's much more important. than the fact that you can say, hey, they went to the session, then they then they went to the booth. You know, you can just find links and say, "Hey, this is a really hot prospect." Because they went to the session, they went to the booth, and they went to the booth at this this kiosk, and they spent that amount of time there. That's really, really interesting. The fact that you did not, you know, uh, if I never have to use a booth scanner again, I'm I'm happy. Whoever the freaking vendor is that makes those should go out of business because it all should be passive. It all should be RFID or lidar or some combination thereof. I think lidar is interesting too. Lidar can't give you that level of you know individuality because that's actually what I like about lidar in some ways is lidar is anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. It'll show you when your booth is busy or when the line for the bath. We used it last year at our conference to to use because we make some lidar technology to show when the, you know what bathrooms were free and we had those displayed up. And that was a cool, interesting use of lidar. Yeah. Um, so you could see you know or, or the lines and for food and stuff. So that was sort of interesting. Um. um but. Um, the I think you know I think you know again as for privacy so facial recognition I, I you know Scott I sort of get uneasy about you know uh, I think you know they're starting they're starting to use it for travel now instead of your passport or, or your ID to board a plane international flights yeah um, uh, and that's sort of you know interesting it works it's really weird because like I say how do they know this but they're going you know I had grown a beard since my passport picture etc and it works but. Um, you know, RFID, things where you, you've given your consent, you know, I'm going to this conference, you know, there's a tag in me. Because um, again, if I can run a marathon and they can tell you, you know, what my times were when I crossed this, that, that, you know, it's fine. They should be able to say when I went to the session, when I came out, et cetera. That type of technology, I think, is really interesting and useful for, for marketers, for people who want to promote products, you know, et, et cetera. Yeah, and it, it gives people who are in marketing and in sales a better leg up because a lot of people, as you mentioned, just scan badges to scan badges and like, the person who came just for the socks or just for the t-shirt isn't a lead. They're not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They just wanted the free stuff. Like, yeah. And every conference has that stuff and, and everybody scans their badge and yeah. it's stupid. Well, it's well, it, del it delivers, dumb. it delivers a better experience if I don't have to market the person who just wanted the socks. Right. right. And I can market, and I can market the person who actually spent time in the booth. It's a better connection. I can, I can create a more, a, a deeper email. That's something that actually, you know, is more engaging and, more they, and random people who just want to bring socks or a t-shirt or some tchotchke back to their kids don't get spammed. Right. The random people yeah. who, who just wanted the socks can market for you in other ways. Like mm -hmm. you don't yeah. need to talk to them. You don't need to waste yeah. your and time. By the way, we already have you because you came to the conference. Right. We bought that list already, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we, we already have. It. So the fact that you came by the booth doesn't mean that anything different than the fact that you came to the conference. It's not, Absolutely. you know, it's, you were there, right? Yeah. Other, other than that, you got a fidget spinner. Yeah. Remember the, oh God! Remember, are, those, are those still are those still a thing? <laughs> no, they're not. But remember, everybody, that was a thing one year. Oh God! The fidget, the fidget spinner. Oh my yeah. God! I have like a million of those. So can I can um, I tell my conference story by the way? Please do. Please, because it's a little blue, uh, so to speak. My best conference story is so I, I was still working at EMC, and this was when I got dragged into marketing. <laughs> uh, 
my boss took over the marketing team and said, Colin, come help me fix it. And I said, I'm not good at marketing, Pete. Uh, and he said, you've bitched about it for five years. Come fix it. So, and then he proceeded to lay off left and right and made me do all the work. Um, but there's this one person he didn't lay off and she was in charge of our events. And so she dragged me into this meeting about EMC World and our presence in EMC World. And it was a presentation by our Chashki vendor, you know, Swerve Point or whoever those people were. I don't know who that was, one of those people, right? Probably Swerve Point. Um, and we sat there and, and, but she not just dragged me, she dragged the, the entire product marketing team oh. plus, no, 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 it gets even better. It gets even better. Plus the engineering leads. Yeah. That's not cool. That's not cool. I mean, s some people like to weigh in on that stuff, but like, that's too many people. In the but why? Wait, I, 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 too I, many wait. people. <clears throat> Most a, a, people a, a. just want to know that something cool is going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, make a decision. But this, is, this is how insecure she was. It's like, so, so Matt Waxman, who mm -hmm. you guys know, who, who, who was the engineering lead for a business, a technology, a major product line of ours, was in this meeting. And a bunch of other people were. Some people declined, thank God. I, um, I remember the meeting. Go ahead. Yeah, remember the meeting. Uh, yeah, I and, do. And, and the vendors coming out saying this is cool that's cool you could do this it's like first of all you know this is an email <laughs> okay here's the brochure you know here's, here's some things we like not what we're having a meeting come up you know. and like not if, you, if, you, if i'm in a meeting i want some free shit and at least you know yeah um and and the um the um um the um the the vendor comes out and says these are really hot this season and then those stress balls oh which I think of ridiculous. And then they're like, at first of all, I was like, okay, like you want me to give something away to you that makes you think of stress, right? You know, I, hey, this is the game. I'm giving you something, you're thinking about my product, my company, but it's stressful, so you need relief, right? Um, I'm like, that's absolute bullshit. And then they go, and we can make, oh yeah, those, yes, uh, yes. Uh, I, do, I, never, I never made those. I do not This one? Are you BC sure? Oh, no, I never would have made those. No, 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 no. I, I, cr I created. That's, that's that other, that's the schmuck. That's the other schmuck, not me. The, the, fu the funny thing is, is you said stress balls, and within three seconds, both call, uh, Melissa and I had ours in our hands. So. so I have these, these are stress cats. I created them for my team because, but, because our goal is around monthly active users. So mm -hmm. the cat says meow 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 like <laughs> for monthly active user <laughs> so it's an inside joke but i would never distribute these to customers or users but go on colin like <laughs> yes no and so um why was it a so, bad idea to invite so, the entire leadership well, team first, first, to, screw that to, screw that and then they go and then and then and, and then and then they go well we can have these done in your corporate colors which is blue and she pulls out this blue stress ball <gasps> and my phone goes off and it's a text from Matt Wacker saying, are we really in a meeting where someone is talking about blue balls? <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful. Beautiful. And I love Matt to death. Yes, yeah. That is beautiful. Um, um, and, um, and, and it's just like, but again, it's like, it's like, it's, you know, for me, it's like, I'd rather give away something that's, that's memorable, you know, that you're going to, you know, if you're going to come by my booth, you're going to get something that's going to at least re make me you remember me versus some random thing that says VCE where you won't know, you know, and you, it'll sit some places that are. But, yeah, so. we don't need a nail file. We don't need a stress ball. We don't. <laughs> a fidget spinner, yeah. 
Yeah, even <laughs> fidget spinners. Like, that was cool for the kids, but not so much for the adults. Yeah. Most of us, anyway. Like, and I get that some, you know, there's some things, people come to these conferences to get shit for their kids. Right? Yeah. You have to acknowledge oh, that. Yeah. It has to be. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've gone to shirts for kids. Like, mm-hmm. my son's entire wardrobe are, are conferences. So, so <laughs> Mel- Mel- Melissa, <laughs> Melissa will remember this one, right? So, the conference story I want to tell, I know... <sighs> I know Melissa remembers this one, mm. was we were in Long Beach, California, and it was mm-hmm. like one of the local forums. And we got there, and at the beginning of the day, people started trickling in, and this older gentleman showed up. And, you know, he was he had a shirt on, he had a tie, he looked a little disheveled, but it's a tech conference. But what really stood out is he was like, he was older than normal than the people that would get there and he was like the first one there right so he shows up and he's eating the full the free breakfast and you know he's just kind of he's off by himself and you know they have the first and this was one of those ones where they fed you right you had they fed you breakfast and then there was a nice buffet lunch and then there was the um the the cocktail event at the end of the evening where they would have free drinks and appetizers and, and giveaways and this gentleman was there from the beginning all the way to the end, and he went around and he sat in every session, and he had his, you know, whatever the bag was that he put in, all of the, the free stuff, right? The stress balls, the socks, the brochures, the USB drives, anything that was given away. This guy took one, and it was like, wow, who, who is this guy? So finally at the end of the conference, so the local people that, that were working there, it was like, hey, there was this guy there, this, this older gentleman. Do you remember the story, Melissa? I, I am hanging on every word. Go on. Okay, you don't remember this. So it was like th- there was this older gentleman. He was there at the beginning. He was like he was the first one there. He was the last one to leave. He was there. I mean, who? And we looked at his name. He's like, well, who is this guy? And then the local people said, oh, he comes to all the conferences. He He's not involved in any of this, but what he does is he researches the conferences that are happening at this particular location, and he finds out who's coming, and he registers, and he shows up. For the free breakfast, the free lunch, the cocktails at the end, all of the giveaways, and, and that's it. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's no way to stop it. Like, if you know this is coming, we don't ask you. We don't, It's not like an invite only. It's whoever registers for this. But it was just – it was actually kind of funny to think that, you know, here's this poor guy. And he sat through this whole thing that had to be completely meaningless in terms of, you know – and, you know, he was old enough where – you know, he didn't even have a flip phone. He just sat there and he just like he paid. actually he was one of the most attentive people in the audience as far as paying attention to it. So it was just it was just one of those things that I remember that apparently there is a group of people that that's what they do is that if there's a location near them that has these types of events, they just go in and they search what events are happening. And when they see something free, they basically just roll in. Yeah, I mean, it could be entertainment, it could be loneliness, it could be any number of things. Like, it's not necessarily oh, he was, a bad thing. He Especially was a great... if they're respectful, like, like this guy seemed to be. Ab- absolutely, absolutely respectful, but it was just like, you know, well, who is he, right? And then we, we I, I mean, we knew his name, but we didn't know anything about him, and it was the local people that knew because he the ones that supported the the events at this particular location was like oh he comes to all of these types of things and he just nice. comes in to, to you know get away and have some food and kind of hang out which was kind of cool that is cool <laughs> it um, is well we should probably get to what we're talking about next week oh and i have the pleasure of asking colin what his yes. master plan is 
So my master plan this week, we are for the first time at episode... Um, 39. 39. I was going to say 40, but 39. Mm-hmm. We are going to do, because mine are always mod 3. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to have a guest star. <gasps> so mm-hmm. my friend, my friend Seema, who is a master sommelier, she's going to come on and talk a little bit about what it takes to be a sommelier, um, besides drinking wine every night, which is um, which is which is fine. Um, but we are each going to bring a bottle of wine uh, of our choice, and she is going to tell us something about how we should taste it and what we should be tasting. No way. Yes. Let's do it. I'm so excited. Yeah. And and you know go go you know you know this stump the chunk. I mean go for the things like and it's amazing once you hear because she did this for me once at Bacon Fest last year, mm-hmm. and it was amazing to hear because I am a wine geek and I pay attention to it and just to hear these things about oh you know that you know you're drinking Italian Northern Italian wine. These are the types of things. And as soon as she said it, you're like, oh, I am totally. And it, it explains it. Or you're, you're drinking an aged wine. You should be tasting these things. So so go and pick pick an interesting wine. And she's going to tell us what, we, you know, we're going to sample it. She should be tasting. That's the wine. It's 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 wine tasting. And then it's we're going to do, in a similar vein, wine tech. Ooh, interesting okay. tech that, you know, is it a chiller? Is it an aerator? You know, is it something used to preserve the wine? So you this know, is what, a... wine, what wine tech is good. What wine tech is bullshit? Because there's a lot of bad wine tech out there. So yeah. So this is like a, a, a legit learn about wine. Yep, upcoming this is episode. All, all about wine. Yep. Yep. This nice. is a masterclass in wine. Yep. Yes. Excellent. Yep. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Sounds good. Cool. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone for listening, and until next time. Um, have a wonderful safe time. Peace out, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Good wine. Good tech.